of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode three thirteen. Jason Lingren is with me, and we have a couple. Uh, the male is Kiefer. The female, of course, is Angela. And uh, we're going to be talking about what would be the analogy here. Everyone's kind of tired of the Matrix, but it would what we're going to talk about is the equivalent of a human being being born outside the Matrix, maybe a little bit. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And good morning. So you got anything? I know we're way in the front. We're two weeks in the front, I think. No, let's go talk to Neo. Okay. <laughs> welcome, Kiefer and Angela. Oh, good morning. Good morning, Crow and Jason. So you... Two are new parents. Well, actually, maybe I think you've got other children, but you just had a newborn and you did not submit the newborn to the system. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So where should we pick up? How about we pick up where you guys were deciding whether this was even a doable thing? You've got a new child on the way. Pardon my language, by the way. I'm going to use language. Everyone knows what I mean. And I know people are going to take umbrage with the words, but I can't modify on the fly here. So you guys are thinking about having a newborn and you're considering not registering, not doing any of the typical things that so many new parents have done for so long. So jump in. What what happened when you guys were deciding whether or not you wanted to do this thing? Well, the kind of genesis of the whole idea actually started. We have a three-year-old as well. And that was our original. We had debated not doing the birth certificate with him. My parents kind of study this stuff a bit. Um, a lot more than myself. <laughs> um, they're very, very well versed as far as the, the common law stuff and commercial law. So anyway, they've, they've always kind of talked about it and they brought up the idea. So when our second born, our three-year-old was born in the hospital, um, obviously we did that kind of standard the way that, you know, you normally would with uh, epidural and stuff. There was an inducing that happened uh, due to my work schedule and he was past the due date. But anyway, when we first kind of we're thinking about, we're thinking about doing it there. And my father was there with us at the hospital. Yeah. And they were coming in every hour to do the footprints and the hearing tests and all this stuff with them. And my, and the lady's like, Hey, yeah, you guys got to do this birth certificate thing. Whenever you got the name for sure picked out. And my, I remember my dad saying is like, well, what if they don't do it? And the lady's like, you know, well, they won't be able to leave then. My dad's like, you can do that. You really think you can? And they're like, yeah. You guys absolutely cannot leave till you do a birth certificate. So we kind of got spooked out on the first one. We weren't researched enough. And the thought process was to, you know, we're aware of like the fraud of the driver's license. And I mean, not as aware, we're a lot more aware now with what the birth certificate is and what it does. But at the time we knew there was an issue with it, that it gave, you know, kind of these creates these tacit agreements and adhesion contracts, supposedly, as we know now, that's all fraud. So it doesn't really matter anyway, because nobody tells us what that's about. But so that was the beginning of it is we debated it there. Um, but then we thought, you know, it's going to make life so hard for him. How are we going to do banking? How are we going to get insurance? Get a and job. yeah, job, these things that you normally would do. <laughs> you know, like a W-2 job. <laughs> a W-2 job. Yeah. So yeah, we just didn't want to go through all that. And then kind of thought like, well, is it so bad to have to have a driver's license and not be able to speed? You probably shouldn't speed, <laughs> you know? Um, not that anyone has the right to make you pay money when you speed, but you probably shouldn't. So we're like, okay, well, we'll just kind of opt out on this one. So then when everything happened on the 11th and for 2019, 2020 or whatever, yeah. and everything kind of got crazy, um, we definitely changed our mindset and started studying a lot more. 
let me jump in here. I'm going to ask Angela a question. So basically, the child that was born in the hospital, you went through all the typical procedures, and they pressured you heavily to submit for the certificate, the birth certificate, and they wanted that, wait for it, sole print, right? They wanted that print from the sole of the foot. Angela, I got to ask, were you in any condition to make decisions as, as all this pressuring was going on? Oh, no, actually, I was, I couldn't get out of bed. I was still dizzy. And, you know, they gave me an epidural. So that honestly puts you in a different state as well. So you're definitely not thinking clearly after you just have a baby. It takes at least five (laughs) days to a week to get your head on straight. So this happens post March 11, the the child we're going to talk about. And again, forgive me for my language. I'm just going to use what folks are used to. The newborn comes into the world post March 11, 2020, right? Yes. After the fact. So was there any of this, you can't come into the hospital, you can't see your wife, any of that going on? Oh, here, yes. Yeah, that was happening here. So I have a friend that had just had a baby. So we had ours on the 13th of February. So that was pretty recent this year. And we had had a friend that I work with, and he had explained the hospital process here and said it was the most invasive, probably worst experience of his life. His next child he's going to have at home due to it, but it was that kind of a deal. He was barely able to go in there. Then on top of it, they were kind of trying to rush him out. They didn't want to do um, induction. And when you do the oxytocin for induction, it makes the, that's the reason that Angela had an epidural because the contractions start coming so rapidly, it gets way more intense because initially we you know, she wasn't going with an epidural, but anyway, so my friend was saying that they really were trying to push inducing. They didn't want to do that because they didn't want to have an epidural or induce or any of that. But he said it was pretty horrendous. It was no family could come in and that sort of thing. As far as us, wait, did um, they make, did they make her wear a mask while she was, they didn't hear. No, luckily they didn't. I have heard that in hospitals, but they didn't do that here. And when you, whenever you, um, when your body goes into fear, whenever you're giving labor, your body will actually retract and not work. It goes into fear mode instead of getting ready to push the baby. So it can definitely make it more complicated when you don't have the support that you need and you're surrounded by cold lights and nurses and doctors and masks. Yeah, this super sterile environment, so cold and disconnected. So with our little one, we didn't, uh, Crow, we didn't really step in a hospital at all. I don't think we, Mm -hmm. we did an ultrasound, one of them, and we didn't have much interaction even with the midwife till towards the end. Uh, There's like where we're at, there's all of four Four. (laughs) midwives in the area. We were very blessed. And one of them was on uh, the mend because she had just had a child and she was definitely the best one, which that's kind of an interesting tidbit that we'll get into the midwife that we got is was not very connected or able to be just because she was further away so it's kind of crazy when the birth actually happened but yeah we didn't go into the to the realm of that at all especially with everything the way it is we kind of just tend to avoid the allopathic system really yeah we had leon at home Mm -hmm. so all right so before i'm gonna have jason lead us into the new the newborn uh that is born outside the system but to wrap it up you guys went through the typical hospital procedure with another newborn uh, and were unimpressed. Uh, I guess you're kind of fortunate to have parents that are very aware of legal ideas. By the way, do your parents listen to the show? <laughs> they actually, yeah, yeah, they do. My mom's been listening to you for quite some time. She was pretty stoked when you guys got into the law stuff because she had been studying it, you know, for, for years and years. My dad hadn't before. But since I, I talked to him about you, and I think the first episode he listened to was KL, 
And he was like, wow, this is amazing. And then, yeah, <laughs> he got, well, I, you know, we, we probably won't get into this, but from our previous conversation, sounds like your mother uh, is very into the spiritual side, talking about bonded paper and bordered paper and all these things, um, which a lot of people think it's it's woo-woo. But I mean, if you're going to go the distance here, you're going to have to go to the spiritual side. But Jason, do you want to kind of lead us in? They've had a baby. They did it the typical way. They're unimpressed to be polite about it. And so they're starting to decide we're going to do this a different way, have the baby at home with a midwife. So how much interaction with the system did you have with the last child, with the one that's not part of the system? Did you inform anyone? Did you have a normal doctor? What's the whole scenario with that for them to know that this child was coming into the world in the first place? I'll let uh, Angela handle that one because she she went in and talked to the midwives initially. And I think she actually brought up the idea of not doing a birth certificate from the first appointment. I wasn't there though, but yeah, so I didn't have any interactions with a doctor other than the very first time I found out I was pregnant, which was with an OB. After that, I just decided to find a midwife. That definitely took a while, but once I did, um, we did go over what would be happening during the birth. Would she be forcing any vaccinations, things of that nature, which she didn't, which was awesome. And then I had brought up whether or not we were deciding to do a birth certificate, and that's whenever she you could definitely tell she tensed up and she looked very uneasy. I'm sure she was feeling like her license could be taken away or something of that nature. But she said that she really would prefer us to do the birth certificate. And there are people that have gone without doing a birth certificate that she's done in, I think, what was it, Philadelphia or something of that nature. But she could only fill out what we told her. So that was her way of kind of saying like, I can only do what you tell me. So she says it's it's an incredible pain, especially from vital records. But she would, she would just do it, whatever. You guys do a clever thing, which I remember from the conversation we had when we met. One of the decisions you make is to not give the newborn a name until something like a month later, which is interesting on the face of it because there was a time apparently when, before we all went to just everybody's Mark, David, or John, <laughs> um, <laughs> when the naming of a baby was supposed to have something to do with the character of the new life. But that plays into this, right? So you guys consciously decide we're not going to name the baby for a while in order to stave off the pressure for the certificate submission. Yeah, yeah. And my, my mom was the one that actually informed us of that idea because when we first came up with it, we're like, you know, what happens if we pressure it or if they, you know, push some law or something like that on us or, you know, cops, really child protective services was the concern, right? Like that they show up and she's like, well, go go find me a law that says you have to name your child, find one. And I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> Good thinking. So apparently she knows some people that have done that and have gone, you know, file statistics actually continued to try to get a hold of them over the years. And they just constantly said they didn't have a name yet. So they're seven years in or something like that. And they just tell them, oh yeah, we don't, <laughs> we're still waiting to get to know them. I'm still figuring it out. But I'm so glad we did it anyway, because the names that we had do not fit his personality whatsoever. <laughs> We said Leon, because from the moment that he came out, I mean, what it was the first day he lifted his head up and was like, or like, just like a lion, man. Within four hours. Yeah. He had his head lifted straight up. He was looking around and he was grunting and already which, crawling. Like, yeah, he is slightly crawling now, but I think obviously we didn't have any medication during the whole time. So I feel like maybe that's partly why he was so wide awake. <laughs> <laughs> that That's kind of a key point. You've got another, you've already had another newborn and you notice a marked difference between the one that went through the typical process of a hospital 
and all the things that are put into the mother and the baby. I'm assuming the newborn and from the hospital, did it get the eye drops too and all that? No, we didn't do the eye drops with uh, the second child. The either. first, the first oh, the child. First, yes, correct. We did. Yeah. So you're not, what I'm pointing out is there's a marked difference uh, in the newborn that came into the world, not saturated by, for lack of better terms, man-made substances. Yeah, the difference between the two of them, Crow, it's it's night and day. Especially mm-hmm. with our second born was is named Atlas. So when he was born, you know, obviously we still didn't do. He's completely unvaccinated. We did do circumcision, but yeah, the way that he came in was so different because she was on the pitocin and the epidural and the lights hospital and all that. And to be honest. Atlas slept all the time. I was actually concerned because he didn't cry at all. And the doctor was like, oh, just, just say thank you for that one. You know, that's just a gift that he doesn't ever cry. So I was worried, man. I was like, he just seems like he's kind of in a dream state, you know, kind of sleeping all the time. And he's very, very sharp. Now we do the Glenn Doman method with him as far as flashcards and stuff like that. So he's a very bright three-year-old, but this one, man, yeah, the energy level, it's, it's completely different. The way the, his awareness, the way he looks around, even he's got a birthmark around his left eye that you can barely see. And his two eyes are different colors. It's just, he's, he's a very interesting kid. <laughs> wow. I have that too. What color are his eyes? Oh, wow. One is blue and one is partly greenish brown. Hmm. I have a brown and a, and a, well, they call it hazel, but I basically have a blue and a, I mean, a green and a brown eye. But um, Jason, <laughs> why don't you lead us up to the point I think people who would consider what we're talking about in their own lives would want to know the nuts and bolts of preparing to have the home birth. Right. Finding a midwife and all those sort of things. You said you found out you were pregnant from an OBGYN. What happened from there? Did you just be like, okay, we're not going to deal with the system from this point forward? And what? You tell us. So after the OBGYN, um, just her telling me I was pregnant, I'm like, okay, that's that's it. We're just going to try and work from a midwife from here and uh, maybe a doula, but they're mainly for emotional support. I don't believe that any of them have to, re- they don't have to report to the doctor only if say during the labor aspect, when I'm giving birth, there's an emergency that happens, then I would have to go to the hospital, but we didn't, we didn't have to talk to um, any doctors. I mean, it was honestly very relaxed. There wasn't any pressure. There wasn't any pressure to give vaccinations or to give out information only toward the end after we had the baby. But honestly, it was very relaxed, no pressure or anything of that nature. Yeah, finding finding one was kind of a a more intense thing. A midwife, Uh, you mean? Yeah, just because of where we're at, there's there's so few and far between. And the one that we ended up, and we'll tell the story when we get to that part, (laughs) the one that ended up delivering the baby is a complete all-star man. And she's also very sharp and tuned into things as far as natural healings and remedies. She wasn't our official midwife, the one that was trying to push the birth certificate, but the official one wasn't able to make it there in time due to where she lives. But yeah, just finding one was kind of an an intense scenario for us, but I wouldn't imagine if you're in a bigger area, it would be so hard. I do know that they have certain stipulations, like they're very limited with how the state licensed them from what the midwife was telling us that they'd try not to allow them to do natural remedies and these things and make them have certain trainings, which I mean, some things I'm grateful for, like the breathing stuff and making sure that that gets going. But some of it's kind of ridiculous as far as the fact that they're told that they have to do, they're not allowed to like suggest any sort of natural stuff, even though they do it. 
that they have to classify a certain way. You know what I mean? Where you say like, I'm not giving medical advice, but you guys should take vitamin C, et cetera, things like that. <laughs> wow. So I've got a question. So you saw the OBGYN to discover that you were pregnant. So I'm guessing the hospital system at that point has some idea when the new life is going to enter the world. Was there all these contacts from the time you saw the OBGYN up to the date of the birth? How did that work out? Did they just forget about you or were they on you? I think they just forgot or they, I, we haven't had any contacts from the hospital whatsoever. But we also moved though in between the oh, time yeah. period. We so we haven't changed our address. Yeah, we were. <laughs> so it's possible they tried to get a hold of us, but we moved from North Dakota to Wyoming. So that's where the OB was, was in North Dakota, I believe. No? no? no oh, the, it was OB here. OB was here in July. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So Angela, what do you think? And uh, you've been through the hospital birth. Uh, you're not so thrilled with what went down there. Are you nervous about having the home birth or are you all in or is it a mix between the two? I was a little, a very tiny bit nervous, but I also just believe that over a hundred years ago, we were delivering naturally. And before allopathic medicine came, we, we supported each other. I mean, women would get together in a tribe. It was like a ceremony and it was something that our body naturally does. I mean, granted, there are complications that can happen, but I think that's few and far between if you have the knowledge of how to have a baby. So we did, I definitely did a lot of um, research and went into um, hypnobirthing. So it's more so the mind and how you don't engage with any fear. That way your body can have everything work properly the way God made it too. So honestly, wasn't too nervous about it with my last two, because I have three children. It wasn't complicated at all, really. I mean, other than the inducing, but um, yeah, I just, my body is healthy. I'm, I'm fine. And I was honestly ready. And we live like five minutes from the hospital, granted, if anything ever did happen emergency wise. So that's so funny too, because like she said that they used to have, you know, it used to be very normal. Like people had babies all the time. It wasn't treated like a disease or a condition when you're pregnant and you need to be for some reason in a hospital. And so I just think it's so funny. One of my mom's doctors, she told him that we had the home birth and she was like terrified. She's like, I can't believe you guys did that. That's so dangerous. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, something could have happened. And I'm, I'm not saying that that can't, that things can't happen, but the odds are so much lower, I think. than, than but, people. But that's, believe. that's life, right? <laughs> yeah. isn't, isn't that really the truth behind it? Things happen in this world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm going to get Jason back in here because he's good at making sure we don't forget things. But I'll, you know, I get so tired of saying the word matrix, but this is one of the big allegories that people confuse as if we are living in a matrix. It's all an allegory and people want to say we're living in a simulant, whatever. I try to be a realist. One of the realist allegories from that movie is Angela's previous child was born with the allegory of plugs, you know, all the little plugs people have in the matrix to be plugged in the child they're about to have is, and I know people are going to wig about the language, but it is what it is. A true son of Zion or something like that. They say when, when Neil asked the other guys, Hey man, where's your plugs? Why don't you have plugs? And they basically, what they're saying is we're born naturally like human beings. We don't have these artificial plugs in us. And that is the allegory for the system from that movie that is being sidestepped in a way. But Jason, have I forgotten anything moving up to the natural birth? Well, let's hear about the process of actually finding a midwife, because you said that was an interesting story, and that seems about where we're at right now. 
side note, when you bring up the matrix, I can't say this 100% with certainty, but on a video I listened to, I have to look in the law dictionary myself. And I'm not sure which edition, but I think if you trace back birth certificate, uh, matrix is in the definition is basically an original document or certified document from which all other documents originate uh, is termed a matrix in a law di dictionary. So that's just just an interesting side note. But on <laughs> on finding the midwife, yeah, my sister had found one and she suggested us one that was in a city where next to Mount Rushmore and that one was too booked up. Really, it was just a lot of calling, a lot of kind of hoping and praying. We didn't really know that we'd be able to find one. Yeah, because there's only four in the state of Wyoming, and Wyoming's pretty big. So, and then there's also we could check out South Dakota. They were also very booked up, and I'm assuming they're completely booked up because of the COVID situation. Nobody wants to go to a hospital and deliver. Yeah, it's got to right be now. good news. So, yeah, so it was very very hard finding one. We didn't find a midwife until the last two months of the pregnancy. So that for me was a little nerve wracking. <laughs> so we like, are we going to have this baby on our own? Should we go for it? Or should we stick to the hospital where they'll also bill us, you know, about $15,000. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. What, what? There's a question. What was the difference? So in the hospital process versus the natural way with a midwife, is there an astounding difference between costs? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's way more cost effective to have a, a midwife. I'm so glad that we did it the way that we did it. I would suggest it for anyone, honestly. Like I said, we're so close to the hospital. So I don't know exactly what happens on their end. From what I understand, they make the hospital aware that something is going to happen just in case they need to prep stuff if, you know, an emergency cesarean needs to occur. But yeah, so we did end up finding one. The one that we found is about an hour and a half away. And so she was barely three able hours. three hours away. Yeah. So she's pretty far. And she was, she's kind of an older lady. I think she's been doing it for, for quite some time. I think she's maybe a little burnt out on it, to be honest. So not mm -hmm. super enthused. But with, with most midwives, they usually charge anywhere from 2000 to 5000 In a hospital, they're going to charge you at least ten to 15000 And then they're going to want to give you, they're going to want to push the Pitocins. They're going to want to push all the drugs that they can, obviously, and kind of jack up that price <laughs> for them. But a so, midwife is fairly, fairly cheap compared to that. So is this an insurance thing? So is it insurance either way you went? Is this out of pocket either way you went? Would it be insurance for the hospital and out of pocket the other way? How did it work out for you? Out of pocket for both. For someone paying for this out of pocket, what you just stated is there is a massive difference in the size of the bill you're going to be getting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And because you're dealing with the term human, living, a living woman, right? Because you're dealing with someone you can talk to, you can organize the payment schedule in a way that makes sense. And if something happens, you can just kind of talk it out versus, you know, when you're dealing with some sort of corporate thing, all of a sudden you're getting phone calls of threats when it's two days late. We don't have that at all. I mean, we were, we had something happen. We were a little behind on a payment a couple of days or whatever. And we got a text like, Hey, uh, are you guys going to get that? Is it cool? Yeah. We're just waiting on a tax return. and we'll, we'll do this big payment or whatever. Then it came and, and we did it. So it's just way, way better dealing with living people than dealing with corporatocracy or whatever it is. So was that price like, is it roughly two grand for the entirety of the midwife service? Or is that just the day of the event? I believe it's just the day of the event. But from what we found... Well, it's for every service. So normally a midwife will check with you. You'll have appointments with her throughout the whole pregnancy. All right, everybody listening, we had a drop off of our connection, so we're going to have to pick up and 
where we were is I was asking Angela. So it's roughly two grand. I'm guessing for the midwife that is, I'm guessing that would probably differ around the country by some degree, but what does that include? And Angela, when we lost connection, you're about to describe, is that just for the day of the birthing event or does that cover the entirety of the midwife service? Yeah, so it covers the entirety of the midwife service. For the midwife that we had, because she was far away, we also had to pay for traveling expenses. But normally you pay for, I believe it's like six or seven checkups before the before the pregnancy or before the delivery. And then there's a big, obviously a big chunk for, and I don't know exactly how much, but there's a big chunk for the day of the birth. And then there's also payments for post-birth. But I know that actually Kiefer's sister his midwife was in South Dakota and she only charged about 2,500. But here in Wyoming, maybe because we're so far and few in between that they have the ability to charge that much as well. But I was able to talk to her since it was so late in the pregnancy and we'd seen her just about the two months pre-birth. She was able to just uh, cut off some payments that way. So that's, yeah, that's, that's not too bad. Way better cost, man. <laughs> so are you guys still making payments to the midwife? Yeah, we're about halfway paid off. And then we had the only other expense I think we had was I can't remember if we paid for or if it was included, but the encapsulation of the placenta. And then we had one ultrasound that we paid for. Yeah, which, yeah, was which was not that bad. That was out of pocket. It was like about 500, 500 bucks. Yeah. We're going to get to the placenta and all that. But um, what I'd like to offer you guys for doing the show, Crow 777 Radio would like to cover the remainder of your cost to the midwife. What? Uh, <laughs> this, this show, you guys have come to share an important thing. And it's important. And the topic we're covering is important. And it's always blown me away that a new life could be 20 grand. Because in San Diego, I saw some bills like that when my nephews were born. So I'd like to cover the remainder of the cost that you owe to the midwife as a thank you for doing this show. Cool. <laughs> that's, that's, that's incredible, man. I, uh, <laughs> that's, it would be really hard to receive, but maybe we can work out something where it feels good for both. Yeah, of us we got to do, we got to do something for you here. That's amazing. Holy cow. I definitely appreciate that. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What? <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. Um, what you guys represent, you're young. You had a family that was backing you up, which not everybody has a family that's been thinking in the way that your family that backed you up has. You're describing in great detail what it took to do, what you did, uh, all the emotions and everything you had to put into it. And to me, this is no different than the age change. This is where we're headed. This is where we want to head. So these are big, important ideas to me. And I think it's shameful that um, money is heaped on to a young couple when they're building a family. And I've seen it happen plenty of times. And I've seen it happen in the other way where the insurance companies are involved and a threatening hospital. But anyhow, Jason, pull us back on track, please. Okay, so as far as the midwife is concerned, how did they approach you? Were they very mainstreamy in the sense that they started questioning you about medical issues or anything like that? Obviously, the, the concept of a midwife is very old, but like you were saying earlier, there's licenses and things like that involved. How did this woman approach you guys when you were getting everything figured out for the birth? Well, she definitely asked like the standard questions. Um, she wanted to do blood tests. She wanted to check for other possible infections or something of that nature that you could have. Um, she also wanted to discuss, I don't remember what it's called, but it's where they pull, they pull a lot of blood from the baby and, and test the baby. 
about over 360 possible illnesses that the baby could have. Mm-hmm. And honestly, she asked all the questions, but she wasn't pushy about it. She was very lax. It seemed like those are things they make them do for their license. And by they, I mean the State Department or whoever it is that holds the keys for their ability to practice without someone trying to arrest them or or however that works. But there was a lot of paperwork and it was very interesting. Janelle or uh, Angela and I were looking at it last night and <laughs> the way that they word everything, man, is so much like, because you know, it's not coming from the midwife, but it's very like assertive that there's some sort of dominance there that you have to submit to things. Like I was like, well, we may decide to share your information with certain partners and you can request that we don't share your information, but, and we may or may not listen to it. It's kind of wording like that. And in their documentation, the midwife wasn't that way, but the paperwork they're required to have and share is worded very in ways if you don't have options, but also the lingo is very vague. We may do this. We may decide you may have rights. You may not. Yeah. So, um, in the paperwork that she gave us and the document she gave us, it stated that we will honor your privacy, but if the federal government or state needs to pop in, that they have the right to do so. Are these was, documents that you sign and agree to? No, I never signed any of them. And so you she, never, never made the agreement. Mm-mm. Correct. No contract. No contract. So what's the what's a midwife come with? I mean, is there a bag of tricks? Is there a hypodermic needle? What what is actually <laughs> brought there? And does the midwife try to administer any of the things the hospital would try to administer, or is it a wholly different thing? No, she she does come prepared because granted things could happen. She has like an oxygen tank, an IV for hydration. Um, she I know she brought like seven bags. I didn't know what was in them. I said I had no intention on using any of them. Um, and she said she didn't intend on using them either, if only it were some type of um, emergency. But she, honestly, she was incredibly relaxed. She's been doing it for over 13 years. So her whole motto was, the baby's going to come out no matter what. So you just do what you do, and your body will take its course and, and do it for you. Yeah, it was pretty funny, man. She was she was very laid back about the whole scenario. We're like, is there stretches we should be doing is there you know meditations is there certain foods and she was very much just like yeah you know just do what you're doing <laughs> yeah. and, and honestly that's not every midwife mm-hmm. so uh, no. she, she was just very very relaxed about it um the other midwife that i had also um had a couple appointments with due to location purposes she also she didn't push anything i mean she was actually prone to the idea of i was talking about having my teeth pulled She's like, oh yeah, they're trying to take away your pineal gland. So just to kind of give you an idea, the midwives that we were working with were very much into like naturopathic medicine and God, my, my pregnant brain, my, my mama brain, I do <laughs> apologize. Homeopathic, homeopathic, homeopathic medicine. Yeah. So what is the midwife's medical qualifications? Is it like a mainstream allopathic training they have to go through where they're almost like a nurse of some sort? It depends. Um, there are midwives that work in the hospital and those actually have a different type of training than home midwives. So actually very different. Yeah. Um, so I would say the indoctrination is different. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's two different, two different routes from what are, so we ended up with two midwives. What happened is, is that there was one here that was overbooked and had just had a child. And then there's the one that was three hours away. Well, because there's only four of them, they all balancing act things between them and they have something worked out on the back end as far as how they get paid 
<clears throat> so we ended up with the one that came from three hours away that was older that did some of the appointments. But when the actual birth started happening, uh, she was so far away and the roads were really bad. It, the weather here is pretty uh, schizophrenic. Yesterday it was summer and today it's winter. So, and the day before that it was summer. It changes but, all the time. And they do have, they have to be licensed in order to, to yeah. operate. The original midwife that we had, who's about three hours away, she had two certifications. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm pretty sure of. And then the midwife here as well, who's in town, had to have two certifications and, and a license. But I just, I remember her stating that the type of schooling that she went through for home birth is completely different than mm-hmm. the ones that I have to do in the hospital. Yeah, the nurse ones have a, have a path. There's a path through being like a certified nurse, which that's also what my sister is, is an RN. And they can go one path and and be... Basically, they're like an at-home nurse, and so they're doing pretty well full allopathic stuff. And then there's a home birth certified one that doesn't have any allopathic training, but has to get certain things like you know CPR and, and breath things like that. So the one midwife, actually both midwives we had, were the at-home one. Neither yeah. of them had nursing certifications or training. Sounds like some pretty brave women to me to walk into a place that you may not be familiar with, with a few bags and be responsible for at least two lives. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. quite a profession. You'd have to be, it's almost heroic when you think about it, to be willing to step into a position like that where you don't know what's going to happen next and you just go in there and you do it. Quite a thing. I would say that absolutely. They were heroes to me because <laughs> it is when you're going through that situation, um, it's scary, but it's, it's amazing. And it's, I mean, depending on where your mind is at, um, but you know, there is a thought maybe something could go wrong, but they were champs. Like uh, there was a point where Leon was kind of stuck in a sense. And um, when he came out, it was a little hard for him to breathe. I do revert that back to my body did go into a fear state. So I did hold off, which I believe kind of prolonged some things and messed up a little things, but honestly, everything still went amazing. Um, but she, I mean, did an oxygen tank on, on Leon. She, she was just a champ. She got him back to health within, gosh, I would say like five minutes or so. So the one, so when it all started, when she went into labor, she went into labor at, had to have been about nine o'clock at night and she was having pretty fast contractions. So we texted the the midwife that's three hours away and asked like, Hey, you know, we're having, she's having contractions three, three minutes apart, three, four minutes apart. And she's like, well, you know, have her take a bath and, and then see if the contractions stop. If they stop, then it's false. And if, uh, they continue and they get faster, then it's the real deal. So this was nine thirty, ten, 10 and nine, somewhere in there. So she takes a warm bath after the warm bath, the contra- contraction starts speeding up. So, so we get excited about it. And I called the midwife. I'm like, hey, man, the, the contraction sped up. So I'm pretty sure this is a real deal. And she's like, yeah, well, sometimes these are still false. So maybe give it a couple hours, try to sleep because it's late at night and see how that works out. Um, she, def- <laughs> she definitely kept contracting after that and went all through the night, maybe got a little bit of sleep in there. And then around seven in the morning, we called the midwife again and let her know. And she's like, okay, well, I'll head that way. Well, as I said earlier, the roads were really bad. So poor Angela here was in contractions, you know, throughout the whole night. It was just us. She was ready to go. And there was that thought, I'm having contractions three minutes apart and I have no idea where I'm at dilation wise. 
I was scared I was going to have to have this baby on my own. And you're going to that fear state mode. And I, I can feel my body tensing up. So I know that had our midwife come on time or, or have the other midwife come to our house a lot sooner, I do believe it would have been a much more successful birth. Uh, but it was still a successful birth, but it would have went even more smoother. Do you feel like they would have waited all through the night if that had happened, if they would have come, you know, on the second call or something like that, when the contractions continued, would they still have had to wait to the next morning? No, there's another midwife here in town and they work with each other. So mm. if, if the other one that's far away can't make it, then we and would have. That's how we kind of got our saving grace. And we also had, well, the first person that showed up was the doula and that was around Nine or eight a.m. And I don't know if you guys know what a doula is or not. We need to explain it. Okay, so a doula is basically like a midwife assistant. She's there for emotional support. For she gave us stuff on you know stretching, foods to eat, things like that. She was incredible. If I had permission, I would totally shout out her business for anyone that's around here because she was so amazing. She was the first one to show up, and when she got here, we're like, yeah, she's. We looked at her and stuff, and told her about the contractions and she's like, we need to get a midwife here now. So she put a call into the midwife that's local she to can't, come. She can't do anything medicinal wise. So she can only be there for emotional support and more so the nurturing and to give suggestions, but she can't do anything medically. Is the doula there during the whole birthing procedure? Mm-hmm. Correct. And yep. how did you guys do it? I know a little bit about this. I understand there's the older, I think it's called Lotus style or something like that, where you use a bathtub and the birth is done in water. Did you guys do that or did you do it without water? Yeah. So we started off in the water. Um, I would say I was in there probably for a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. I was also in a different mind state, but the contractions actually started to slow down and I was so tired that I would uh, sleep in between the tractions, even though they were three minutes apart. So they thought in order to speed this up, let's just go ahead and get her on the bed. So um, we did part of it. I had my contractions through the water and then uh, for the actual birth and the pushing, we did it on the bed and they had me kind of lay straight down, which for any moms or potential moms that might be listening, it's better to have different positions you want to look into because laying back is the option you don't really want to stick with because your vena cava will tight in and it'll stop the blood flow. So if you can try to do it in positions where your body can circulate. This is why it was so good. We had the midwife that we had too, because we had had her in the tub, I believe before the midwife got there. No, we put you in when the midwife got here. Yeah. But you had been, you'd been in the shower Mm -hmm. and kind of, in kind of walking around a little bit and stuff, but yeah, she was exhausted, man. Cause she was having intense contractions throughout the night. So the other reason that it was so good we had the midwife and why I would suggest it is she was able to kind of check how things were going. In the water, it's kind of hard for her to tell whether or not the the water bag had fully broken or not, if, so, if pieces of it were still there and intact, and that was kind of keeping the baby from coming out. So she timed it. The doula also heated up our water, which was awesome. I don't know that there's an exact temperature for the tub. Just temperature your body. Yeah close to the temperature of your body. So the doula heated up the temperature of it. And then she was in there for a couple hours, but yeah. So the midwife checked and couldn't really tell what was going on for sure. And wanted to pull her out onto the bed so she would be dry. So she could see what was going on. Turns out there was a bit of water back still there and she was able to break it to kind of speed up the process just because the labor had been going on so long. She wanted the baby to come out. 
So just for clarification, you two have made up your mind that the reason you're doing this is because you weren't so thrilled with the last hospital birth and you already have it in your minds that you're not going to give away the soul print. You're not going to certify the baby, register the baby. You, you know all these things and that's why you're going this way. Yes. Mm-hmm. And at this point, the midwife sounds like a, done a stellar job to say the least. The bravery there is kind of unbelievable that you're walking in almost by yourself and responsible for a couple lives. Doesn't have any idea of what you guys are being prepared to do. And the reason I make this point is because how did we ever come to think any differently, right? It's not someone else's decision. And this is one of the main catching points of the age we're trying to get out of and the age we're trying to go into is to quit being societal children where no decision is ours and we do what we're told and all these ideas. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. I know probably about a hundred years ago, they had pushed a lot more allopathic medicine and they almost give this fear mindset to women. So a lot of women that I would speak to, um, they would just break out and say, oh my gosh, you're going to have them at home. That's so scary. Well, before a hundred years ago, we were doing it, you know, just fine. Um, but you know, back then they used to put chloroform over the women and pass the women out. So that way they could have the baby or they wouldn't allow family members in or anything of that nature. And then they put you in this cold state. And a lot of it is, is, is were men back then and who don't understand the woman's body in a sense. So there's just kind of that fear mindset that's been instilled. Like, Oh, if you have a baby outside of the hospital, you could die. So I think that is kind of part of the plan to just kind of to scare you into doing things a certain way. There's a whole narrative that I've looked at that some of the claim, like the supposed witch trials, not too far from where I am in Salem, Mass, was the new allopathic system coming in, trying to remove midwives. There's arguments that try to support that idea. But Jason, what do you want to get in uh, to close up this hour before we prep to come back and directly cover exactly uh, how the birth went? So at any point, did the mainstream medical system try and reach out to you Did the midwives discuss anything with you as far as the mainstream system? Were they reporting anything? Were they saying you should go to the hospital or to a doctor to do this, this, and this? Anything like that at all? Or was it purely in their hands at that point once that decision was made? It was purely in their hands once the decision was made. They never referred the hospital at all. They never said you should go get this checked out or anything of that nature. They just wanted to have an ultrasound, but even that was still an option, but they just wanted to, for the day of the birth, they want to make sure everything was working properly. And that was honestly it. So let's list this, Angela. If you'd been in a hospital, how many things would they've put into you or done to you and to the baby that are instantly omitted by doing the home birth with a midwife? Start with yourself. What would have been the things that they put in you? Well, during the pregnancy, I mean, especially with my second child, oh my gosh, they were trying to push shots left and right on me. Mm-hmm. And they said it was for the baby. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and every time I denied them and they would just get very apprehensive and just give this look of concern, like I'm not a good mom. <laughs> but yeah, so during the pregnancy, they push a lot, definitely a lot of even vaccines. You want to get the flu shot? Do you want to get, what was it? Yeah, that was the, astounding. They did push te- the flu shot. Yeah. And then the one tried to sell like some multi-level marketing thing. Remember that? Well, they always try to push the flu shot. That's everywhere to everyone all the time, which is why I'm so suspicious of it. Yeah, it was well, wild, man. We went in what, for an appointment. She's pregnant. 
what's the multi-level marketing approach that you're referring to? There was some product, I can't remember what it was, but it's like some pill thing. And I don't know if it was good or bad or unhealthy or not, but I just thought it was so funny. We went in for a checkup one of the times and it was, gosh, it was some vitamin or something, but I, I, I wish I could remember what it was, but it was a multi-level marketing thing where you can buy so much of this pill, whatever it was, and, or, and then you can become like a distributor. And uh, so one of the physicians tried to sell us on that, which I just thought was so funny. Unreal. Anyhow, okay, we tracked off a bit there, Angela. So inoculation shots right up to the moment of the birthing in a hospital. What would be all the things that are either done or put into you that have a biological effect and the new young life as well? So yeah, they would just try to push. They want to make sure I had all my all my shots. They also push the tetanus shot for my second one in the course of a hospital. They just try to push things all the time. And then during the actual birthing process, there was a lot that was trying to be pushed there with me, considering the Pitocin and then also the epidural. And in that state, they they kind of play it like, hey, we want you to be comfortable, which in a sense, I do believe they do feel that way. It's their indoctrination, right? They feel like they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just a lot of shots on my end. And when the baby comes during that birthing process, and they want to talk about the vitamin K shot for the baby. They want to talk about circumcision and things of that nature and, and other shots. I honestly don't remember, but they yeah. were pushing. And the methodology, the, but the methodology behind it too, it was always very judgmental. Like with, with Atlas, we brought him in one time for a fever. The doctor was for some reason convinced. Well, first they, you know, gave us the dirty looks because he's not vaccinated. But then the doctor was very convinced he was coughing, which he wasn't. He had a fever and he just knew they needed to x-ray him. So it was like a bunch of radiation on him. But they do. They kind of just have this whole thing like, hey, you need to do X, Y, Z. And like Jason said, the flu shot was a big one. I remember them pushing that a couple of times. And it's like this idea like you're abusing your child if you're not doing it. And it's so opposite to the truth. It's so weird. And also with Atlas, my second child, they kept asking us, do you want to get the vitamin K shot? Do you want to get the vitamin K shot? And we said no, but they honored it. Who said that? The hospital or the midwife? For this, for my second, so I have three children. It was my second child, Atlas, which I had in the hospital. They kept asking about the vitamin K shot. The midwife for my previous child, she asked once and she said, these are the reasons why people get the vitamin K shot. I can't recommend it. That's solely up to you. And she only asked me once. So she does ask those things as well, but um, she's definitely not as pushy as, as, yeah, not near as, as pushy. the hospital. But the All hospital right. honor it. So that was great. So you've done it twice in the hospital here. So now let's talk about the new life that's come into the world. I'm no expert. Uh, I was there when my nephews were born, two of them. I remember, well... Besides the fact that they're going to start trying to get the old allegorical matrix plugs in, they're going to try to get a print of the soul or where the bottom of your foot grounds to the earth. They are going to possibly put eye drops. And Amanda Vollmer just had a lot to say about that. But from your point of view, having dealt with the hospitals during two new lives emerging, what would all the things that would have been done to the baby that were not because you did what you did at home with a midwife? So it'd be... If you were to say yes to everything, you would have a vitamin K shot, correct? Mm-hmm. The eye drops. You would have the testing. That's where they, they prick the bottom of your baby's foot and they pull out at least, what would you say, like a, an ounce of, of blood, mm-hmm. like a tube of blood. So it's not just a pinch and a prick. It's you're literally pulling out the blood from your baby. 
which kind of astounds me. But in a, there's that test for, oh, you could have over 306 potential diseases or illnesses. And then there would be a hearing test, which we also did a hearing test here naturally as well. But at a different timing, we did it, a, it was a week later almost, whereas in the hospital, it's that first day, I'm fairly certain. Yeah. And then after that, after you have the baby, they, they want to, hey, you go take that baby to a doctor or pediatrician and you start following up with your shots would be with a hospital. Yeah, you got multiple vaccinations, probably by three months, I'm pretty sure, three, four months, mm -hmm. circumcision, mm -hmm. vitamin K shot, eye drops, tetanus shot, tetanus shot, and pulling blood from the, from the child, yeah, to test. Did they ask about uh, circumcision at all? The yes. midwife, you mean? Right, right. Yeah, the midwife did ask about a circumcision, and we said no, and... Honestly, she didn't circumcise her child, so she was totally okay with it. It seems barbaric to me. It does. <laughs> it's, really, it's really sad once you think about it and traumatizing uh, because we had our second and our first one circumcised. And it's a very traumatic event. I, I mean, you feel it. I think if you listen to your intuition, it's painful. It's emotionally wrong. You just feel like a chunk. But that's, that's just us personally. But granted, this kiddo is the one that we have now that we just had is, is just way more happier and, and awake and alert. And the other two were more kind of sleepy and fussy. And the day of the circumcision, it was just really, really traumatizing. And the care after it is pretty extensive as well. Mm -hmm. it takes a long time to heal. Unreal, so. man. Welcome to the world. I'm your doctor and I take tips. <laughs> All right. We're pretty close to the top of the hour. So we'll start wrapping up here. Uh, when we come back for the second hour, we're going to get into how did the new life come into the world, everything that went with it and the ideas there. There's actually a whole story uh, about, nope, we're not doing a birth certificate, but you have to. Nope. Um, even at one point, key for reading the document where it says right on the document, you don't have to do this. Still being told, you got to do this. Then the cell phone starts ringing. So we'll get into all these things. So anyone will have at least a decent view of where I feel the world has to go to, to make the bad pun back to the future. It's exactly like Angela said, hundred years ago, there was no other way. Everybody did this. And since the beginning of time, presumably it was some subset of the same process without a thing we call a hospital and all these modern inoculations and everything that goes with it. And I feel like the example that you're setting, I would imagine there are so many people out there now considering it. And I would imagine, I know if I was a woman, I'd be nervous, nervous as hell. I've seen two childbirths all the way up to the water breaking going in. It's, it's Herculean most of the time to see a woman have a baby. It's unreal. And I don't think most men who've never witnessed it have any clue, uh, which is another reason why I say the midwives are so brave. But Jason... Anything you want to get in before I wrap up hour one of 313? Well, what I'm very curious about next is how the midwives felt about the paperwork once you got to that point. So I'm looking forward to that part of the story in hour two. All right, I'm going to wrap it up, guys. That'll be hour one of episode 313 with Kiefer and Angela and Jason Lindgren. And uh, to me, the whole arc of this thing we're getting into here is it, 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 it's emblematic of the age change and the lifting of human consciousness. After all, if we continue down the road, we are, I mean, Ready Player One's on the horizon. I imagine we're going to see some part of it 
but how many people will remember all the things it means to be human? Because really, to me, that's what we're talking about here. And that's what we're trading off to go into this hyper-digital age. But there it is. I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era and hope to see you on the other side. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing.